pad up. It's the Australian Cricket Podcast. And here are your hosts. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Australian Cricket Podcast. It's a hat trick of big guests this week. And to wrap it all up, I've got Jackson Bird. He made his test debut in the 2012 Boxing Day test. He's played eight tests for Australia and taken 34 wickets. And he was on the recent tour to India with the Australian test squad. So let's get into the chat with test star Jackson Bird. Hello, Jackson. Welcome to the Australian Cricket Podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Now, Jackson, it's a great thrill for me to have you on the show because I've been a big Bird fan since your career started. Thank you. so thanks for coming on, and I'm a Sesame Street no, fan, you. so it all comes together. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you before we get into some cricket questions. I mean, how how's your preparation for the upcoming summer being affected by the current wage negotiations? Um, oh, look, it hasn't really been affected too much. Um, obviously, we didn't go to South Africa on the Australia Ray Tour, which is a little bit disappointing that that didn't um, go ahead. But, yeah, in terms of um, getting prepared to play cricket, I think it's been pretty normal, um, a normal pre-season. We haven't um, missed any sessions down in Tassie. Um, so, yeah, we've been training six days or five, six days a week and, yeah, coming back and forth from Brisbane as well, trying to um, get a bit of bowling done outdoors and... Yeah, it's obviously not an ideal situation, but yeah, I think it's important that all the players stick together. Yeah, how, how does it affect your mental state when something like this is going on? Uh, no, it hasn't really affected my mental state too much. It's obviously plays on your mind a little bit, not having a deal done and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a lot of guys um, that are off contract at the moment that are probably doing it a little bit tougher than I am at the moment. I'm still um, contracted at Tassie, so um, I guess I'm one of the lucky ones. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are playing on their minds a little bit more than, I guess, uh, the guys that are still on contract. So, yeah, yeah hopefully that, um, that'll get sorted out pretty quickly. And and do the ACA communicate with senior players like yourself often? Uh, yeah, they're pretty um, – they've been really good, actually. So every new sort of, um, I guess, movements in the um, negotiations, they're pretty quick to tell us what's going on. So all the players are, you know, got – their full support behind the ACA and the job that they're doing for us and I suppose the game of cricket as well. So Yeah, I mean, they're talking about putting it to arbitration now, the ACA wants mediation. I guess one thing that has been raised is post this negotiation, will there be any lingering animosity towards Cricket Australia by the players? Uh, what what do you think? You're around the group? Uh, no, look, I'm not really sure, to be honest. Yeah, I think both parties just want what's best for, for them, I guess, so... I'm not sure there'll be any animosity when the deal gets done. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty hard to tell whether that's going to happen um, right now. So Yeah, how about you? Do you feel like you'll be able to get over it? Oh, yeah, look, I'm, uh, I don't hold grudges. So <laughs> once the deal gets done, it'll be pretty quickly forgotten, I reckon. Yeah, get on with the next game of cricket. Yeah, exactly. Now, have you been told anything about your position on the Bangladesh tour? Because there was media reports that you were penciled in as maybe the 14th or another spin bowler. Has, has Have you been given any feedback about when you might even find out? Um, well, I think a decision's probably being made in the next, will have to be made in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I suppose the selectors have been and the coach have been communicating a bit. Um, so, yeah, I've just got to get ready for the tour as if I'm going and prepare as if I am going on the tour, um, a decision will get made soon. So hopefully that goes my way. But um, well, fingers crossed. Yeah, I've just got to prepare as if I am going. So we've got a camp up in Darwin um, starting next week. So it'll be good to get up there and be around the boys again. And then not, not a John Buchanan boot camp though in the wild. I hope. 
Nah, I was just did. I actually just got back from from one um, for Tassie this week. We had four days in the bush and trekked about sixty k's. Um, had to take all our own food and stuff. Um, not really. An <laughs> did anyone try and smuggling some fags, a la Shane Warne? Nah, yeah, yeah, it wasn't um, very nutritious. Some of the stuff the bikes were eating, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I'm not really an outdoorsy type, so uh, I certainly uh, miss my comforts of, of home. So. Uh, but no, it was good to get out uh, with all the boys and have a bit of bonding time, I guess. So. Excellent. Well, let's go back to your test taboo. I was actually there in the Boxing Day test of 2012 versus Sri Lanka. Um, it's a great moment for you. How did you first find out you were going to pull on the baggy grain? Um, oh, I got picked for the team after I think Ben Hilfenhaus got injured in the test before in Hobart. So I knew I was a sniff. And I got a call from John Inverity to let me know I was in the squad. And then um, I got a call pretty soon after from... Ali De Winter, who was the bowling coach at the time, and he said, um, you know, get ready to play because they might be resting Starkey. So, yeah, I just thought I was going to be in the squad and probably be 12th man, but then he obviously got rested. Um, and he I came into the squad. That. No, he wasn't. So, which is fair enough. I think he bowled more overs in the nets than we did in the game. So, um, <laughs> I think we won pretty convincingly. So, yeah, so I was, uh, I, uh, yeah, I got a call from Mickey Arthur two days before and, yeah, told me I was going Excellent. to debut. So, and when you sort of reflected on that achievement of finally um, achieving your dream of playing for Australia, who was the one person you wanted to thank the most? Um, oh, I think it's probably my parents. You know, my mum and dad have been so supportive of supportive of me, sorry, and trying to, um, I guess, live my dreams of being a professional cricketer. And you know, they're the ones that they the ones they're the ones that gave up their weekends, taking me to and from. You know, School cricket, rep cricket, even sometimes grade cricket. So, yeah. And was that in Sydney you grew up? I did. I grew up in Sydney on the northern beaches of Sydney. So, Which grade club did you play for? I played most of my junior stuff at Manly and the first few years of grade cricket at Manly. And then I swapped to Bankstown for a couple of seasons. I think I had three years there. And then I finished off playing at Manly for my last year before I moved down to Tassie. So didn't get much of an opportunity at Manly when I was younger and... You know, there was a few good fast bowlers there and I probably didn't apply myself as well as what I should have. So um, a change was good and, you know, playing at um, at Bankstown was really good for my cricket. So. Yeah, and, you know, you said that about your parents. I mean, parents have such a big influence on a young cricketer's life. I mean, cricket is such a time drain, which is why it's hard to get young kids into it. And, you know, I've got two little kids, you know, you, you if you, they get into cricket, you're going to spend all weekend going from cricket ground to cricket ground. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, some days would be... You know, Saturday, all day Saturday, and then you'd have a rep game in Sunday, on Sunday, and you might be playing up in Newcastle or something like that. So then we'd have to get up at 6am and go up to up the coast, and then they'd spend all day there. So, yeah, like I said, I'm forever grateful for the time that my parents gave up. Yeah, so you spoke about Mickey Arthur giving you um, the call-up, and since then, Darren Lehman's taken over the job. You've also played under probably two different captains, Michael Clark and Steve Smith. What's the character like in the Aussie dressing room at the moment? Is it like a fun, jokey vibe? Is it a very professional vibe? Are there any pranksters? What's the vibe like? Oh, it's a pretty good vibe at the moment. Um, I think all the guys have sort of grown up, all the guys in the team now have sort of grown up playing together. So um, everyone knows each other really well. And it's it's a good place to be around. I think Buff's created an environment where, or Buff and Smudger created an environment where, you know, blokes can be themselves and, you know, they can talk up if they have something to say and not fear other people, I suppose, judging them and stuff like that. And it's just good fun. You know, playing for cricket, there's not, playing cricket for Australia, there's nothing better. So That's good to hear because I don't think all dressing rooms are always great fun all around the world or even in all Australian teams. So it's good that you say that everyone's on 
having a good time at the moment. Yeah, well, that's you got to enjoy your cricket. Otherwise, um, it's a pretty can be a pretty tough game if you're not enjoying it. So yeah, all the boys enjoy each other's company and. Yeah, like I said, playing cricket for a How state. are the young blokes coming in, like Peter Hanscom and Matty Renshaw? What influence have they had? Um, oh, I think after the Hobart test, um, there was a fair few changes. And when the changes come in like that, the new sort of faces, they sort of pick the other guys up. Um, and I suppose bring that a bit of extra energy that um, you probably lose when you're not playing well. So those young guys were great. Um, you know, Matty Renshaw's obviously got a lot to say and... Um, had some pretty sort of funny conversations. Um, and, you know, Peter Hanscom is one of the best blokes going around. So, yeah, it's good fun having those guys in the change rooms. Now, when Darren Lehman took over the job as coach, he made no secret of his desire to pick sort of extremely fast bowlers. How do those sort of comments affect you? Um, yeah, it's obviously, you know, bowling 140-plus is something that I can't really do. So, you know, it's not something that I'm ever going to be able to do and it's not something that I've done in the past. So I guess it's probably... I understand where he's coming from because the four guys, um, Hazelwood, Stark, Pattinson and Cummins, they're all, you know, bloody good bowlers. So, um, you know, if you have four guys in your team that bowl 140Ks an hour plus, you know, you'd be mad not to pick them. But, you know, I just had to, I suppose, focus on playing well for Tassie and trying to take wickets. And I think Josh shows that you don't have to bowl express pace to be successful at Test cricket because, you know, he's probably the best bowler in the world. And, you know, he bowls mid-130s to high-130s. But... You know, he does the same thing over and over again, and that's just as effective as bowling 145Ks. Yeah, I think control is often underrated in a test attack. You need balance. It's obviously good to have one really quick bowler to rattle the, the batsman, but, you know, you look at McGrath, Hazelwood, even, you know, you can't have three or four bowlers bowling 140-plus because invariably when you bowl that quick, you're mixing the odd loose ball, which, yeah, I think that's been underrated. Did Personally, though, when those comments came out, did you? how did you sort of take them? Oh, well, I guess you just got to take them with a grain of salt, I suppose. Um, there's not much you can do about it. And I suppose I showed over the last sort of 12 months that your performances, if you do perform well, you're going to get picked. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of injuries with those big sort of four fast bowlers. And... Yeah, you've just got to be ready to go at the right time. So luckily I was ready to go this year when um, there was a spot available. But, you know, I've just got to keep, I suppose, working hard and make sure that I'm in the position um, in the future when if something does happen, when one of them gets injured, that, you know, I'm ready to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, as being someone that's on the fringes of the Aussie side, do you, do you get adequate communication from the selectors? Are they, are they pretty good in keeping you informed about whereabouts you are? Yeah, absolutely. The selectors are really good with that. They let you know where you stand and, um, you know, their door's always open if you've got any questions about selection and um, where you sit and stuff. All you need to do is give them a buzz and Bush's really good at communicating with the players and where they sit and, um, you know, you can't ask much more for them, so, from them. So, yeah, they're really good in, in letting you know where you're at. And, yeah, so, like I said, you, good. if you want to say something, um, you know, their door's always open, which is good. Now, um, you've, you've been lucky enough to play tests against Sri Lanka, Pakistan, South Africa and England. Of, of those matches, and you've, I think you've got 34 test wickets as we speak, many more to come, I hope. Who is your favourite international dismissal so far? Obviously, my first test wicket was a pretty special one. But I got Alistair Cook out in the first innings of the Ashes test that I played in. And that was, he was the captain at the time. And um, yeah, that was a pretty big wicket, I guess. Um, there's been a couple of memorable ones, I guess, but you know, Kane, I think Kane Richardson out in the second innings of the last test in um, 
New Zealand, which was a special one. And but yeah, Alistair Cooks definitely was number one. Excellent. And um, as a big fast bowler, do you like to have a few words with the batsman? No, I, I don't really say anything. I'm so quiet. I let the ball do the talking, I guess. Um, and yeah, I don't think I'm really witty enough to say anything. Um, <laughs> too funny or anything like that so um i try not to get my let my emotions get in the way of what i'm trying to do on the field um there's plenty of guys in the team that uh, like to have a chat so i'll leave all that up to up to those blokes really so in the slips and around the bat yeah dave warner's got a big mouth at mid-off as well so he's usually good for a chat here and there so good good do you have any um, players that fire you up in particular? You know, when you see them taking their guard, you're like, all right, I'm really, I feel like I'm a chance here. Or not not like I feel like you're a chance, but you're going to get stuck in. Anyone in particular that riles you up, interstate or international? Uh, no one in particular, really. Um, you obviously want to get the, the good players out from the other team. Um, what about just, Ed Cowan, your old teammate? Yeah, he's pretty easy to wind up sometimes. So um, anyone that's, I suppose... Um, a big player for the the opposition. Um, you want to get stuck in and and I suppose give him a good contest. Um, yeah, I used to love playing against Wadey. Um, Matty Wade for Victoria. Matty Wade. Yeah, he was always um, you know he's a sort of gritty sort of player and a, a fighter, and it's always good to come up against him and get into a good battle with him. Um, but yeah, we're lucky enough to have him down in Tassie now, so um, don't have to worry about that. Nice. Oh yeah, he'll be on your team. Now, I want to ask you about the recent test series against India, but before we do that, I wanted to ask you, you know, we all know you as a cricketer, but what's your big interest outside cricket? Um, oh, I suppose these days when you're travelling a lot and um, and you're away from home a, a lot of the time of the year, um, I just try and chill out when I come home. I don't really play golf. Um, I don't do any of that sort of stuff. I just like to chill. Um, and I've been to done uni and stuff like that. When I've been home, I got a dog a couple of weeks ago, so um, she's been keeping Excellent. me pretty What's busy. A uh, British bulldog, so nice. Um, she's been keeping me busy. She's an absolute lunatic. So there you go. Like plenty of walks ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now you, you had a close view of the recent Test series in India between Australia and India. How hot and ill-tempered was it between the teams? Um, yeah, look, it was. You know, it was pretty uh, sort of. Uh, there's a lot of tension between the two teams, um, and it was a massive series. So you expect that in a big series like that. Um, and every time we play against India, um, it's always like that. So yeah, they've got a few guys in their team that um, like to have a chat and are pretty sort of hot-headed, I guess. So that was a an amazing series to be a part of. Although I didn't play, it was um, it was great fun being on the sideline. There was always something going on and. Yeah, there's a few words got said here and there, and yeah. Has Virat Kohli dam- has Virat Kohli sort of damaged the relationship between the two teams? Um, oh, I'm not really sure that the I'm not really sure to be honest. I don't know whether the teams two teams have ever had a really good relationship on the field. I suppose. Um, mm. You know, the guys, all of the guys play a lot of IPL cricket with a lot of the Indians, so um, a lot of them are friends with. The Indian guys off the field, but um, as soon as you go on the field, that sort of all changes, and that's the way cricket should be played. I think, you know, you play hard on the field, and then you can go and play the rest of the game. So, um, yeah, right. So, I guess, uh, how deep was the sense of disappointment within the squad when you um, fell just short of a history-making victory? Yeah, look, it was really disappointing. Um, you know, there was a couple of big moments in the squad, where, in the series, sorry, where. We um, probably let it slip a little bit. I think in the 
in the second innings at Bang- uh, Bangalore in the second test, we were in a really good position and they probably got a few too many runs on a on a hard wicket to bat on. Um, and then their spinners came in and did the work in the last innings. And then you know, in the last test, we were certainly in a good position to win the game. And I think we saved our worst batting performance for the last the second innings in the last test. And uh, I think we were bowled out in about 30 overs. So we needed to post a total of more than 200 and we probably would have won the series. So um, I think it's, you know, it's pretty disappointing that we didn't get over the line. But I think um, the team's moved forward a lot, I suppose, in the subcontinent since the last Indian series where we lost convincingly 4-0 and then in Sri Lanka where we got flogged as well. So um, I think the guys are going in the right direction um, playing in the subcontinent. It's obviously not our strongest area of the world of where we play. So, um, yeah, I think the guys have improved a lot, which is good going forward. There's obviously a big series coming up in a couple of weeks against Bangladesh. So hopefully, you know, the guys can... Hopefully it'll happen. Yeah, well, that's right, yeah. Uh, first of Any all, security yeah. concerns from you guys about Bangladesh? Um, oh, I don't think so. I think, yeah, the English team went over there recently and they were, um, from all reports, the security was um, A-grade. So um, we've got full support. We've got full confidence in um, our security teams and um, all the stuff that's being done behind the scenes to make sure that we're safe and um, that we can just focus on playing cricket, I guess. So, yeah, yeah hopefully the tour... I suppose goes ahead in the about, first place. So. Reminisce about Dizzy's double hundred in Bangladesh. Yeah, well, I was up. Happen yeah, a lot. yeah, we were up in Brisbane recently. He was coach of the Australia A team, and he ran us through the the two hundred. Details. So, yeah, no, it's still amazing go. to think about that. Really, that that actually happened. But um, it was amazing to watch. I remember just yeah, absolutely it was unbelievable. Yeah. Now, before I let you go, I want to ask you a few quick broad cricket questions because of your excellent experience. So you played in the Gabba Day-Night Test last year. Uh, are you a fan of Day-Night Test cricket and how close is the Kookaburra pink ball to being a finished product? Yeah, look, I'm a big fan of um, the Day-Night Test. Yeah, we played That's in Adelaide against South Africa um, and that was brilliant playing there. That's one of the best places to play cricket these days. Um, and then against... Pakistan at the Gabba was really good as well. There's always a bit in it for the bowlers. Just there's always a little bit more in the wicket. Um, the ball's pretty. It's it's pretty good when it starts um, when it's new, but there's sort of a bit of a period from probably 55 to 80 overs gets soft and it doesn't really do anything. So if the wicket's flat, yeah, there's, it's pretty hard work for the bowlers. So you just got to, I suppose, contain for you know that 30 and then it sort of period and then moves around again and at night. Yeah, and no, I suppose lights. yeah, all the conditions, I guess. Yeah, they all sort of rely on, um, I guess, being at night and stuff, the ball will do a little bit more. So I suppose when you know when it's flat and it's not doing much, you only got to wait a short amount of time before you either get a new ball or, you know, the lights come on and um, it's a different game when the lights come on. So It's like the reverse of conventional cricket. Normally you'd try and wear the attack down and then, you know, make them pay at the end of the day, whereas in this case the bowlers can come back into the game as the lights come on. So it adds a new dimension. Yeah, it does. Look, um, you know, if you can get a wicket with the old ball before the, the lights come on, um, you're in the game. So, um, yeah, you just, I suppose, got to bide your time in the, I suppose, the middle session where there's not much going on in the first session and then got to defend a little bit more in those sort of two sessions, the first two sessions, and then you can really get yourself into a good position, you can really attack in the last session uh, when the lights come on and when the ball's doing a bit more. So um, that's something that we sort of speak about. Contain as much as you can in the first two sessions and then you can really attack if you're in a good position later in the day, which is good. So um, that's what we sort of try and do in those day-night games. 
Yeah, it was a great victory in Adelaide against South Africa in that test match. I was there for that one as well, actually. Really good game. Now, there were a few complaints recently when South Africa's fast bowler, Kigizo Rabada, was suspended for swearing. And what I want to ask you is, as a fast bowler, how hard is it to keep your emotions in check in the, in the middle of a tense battle in a tense test match? You're running in and bowling quick. How hard is it to sort of keep your emotions under control? I suppose... For me, I don't think it's too hard to keep my emotions in check. I'm pretty sort of, I'm a pretty laid back sort of character. So I bowl my best when I'm calm and relaxed and stuff. And I just try not to let things get on top of me. But there's other guys out there that, um, you know, they really get up and get going when they're fired up. And to see Go Rabada, he's probably one of those bowlers as well. So he really enjoys getting into the contest and really likes to, be pretty vocal and that sort of stuff. And, you know, everyone's different. I'm sort of the opposite of that. I just try and um, go about my business and, yeah, I don't perform as well when I'm um, a bit rolled up. So I just try and keep all my emotions in check. And I suppose that's one of the challenges of playing test cricket. It's bloody hard. Um, and you're not going to get things going your way all the time. So you've got to be able to, I suppose, keep your emotions in check or whatever gets you going. You need to be able to find that um, to be able to perform. So... Um, that's, yeah, like I said, that's one of the, I suppose, the challenges of playing test cricket. Do you have any sort of cranky teammates? I know some bowlers like to sort of get cranky to get them up. Is anyone in your teammate that likes to get a bit cranky? Um, oh, Mitchell Stark can get a bit cranky here and there. Um, Good. He sort of likes um, having a chat and getting involved in the game and um, gets fired up and, you know, that's get what gets contest. him going. Yeah, he gets in the contest and, you know, that's what gets him going and you know he's a world-class bowler and when he's fired up and bowling fast that's when he bowls the best but yeah it depends on uh you know some of the batters can be a bit cranky when they miss out on runs and stuff so i'm um, usually trying to steer clear of them in the dressing room if they uh if they miss out so um, yeah. give him a bit of space absolutely now um last Last question before I let you go. I'm a massive Sydney Sixers fan. Actually, it's been a, a battle for me because I tried to be neutral last summer because I was covering a lot of the Big Bash, but I actually couldn't do it, you know. Yeah. Every time I went out to the Thunderground, I wanted the Thunder to lose. <laughs> I'm a big Sixers fan. How do you see the Big Bash's growth, and would you like to see maybe a few more games per year for the Sixers? Um, I think the Big Bash has been amazing in the last couple of years, how much it's taken off and how big – the Big Bash is these days, so it's great to see that. Um, I think the Big Bash is probably, there's enough games being played at the moment, um, so I think the, I suppose the scheduling's perfect, I suppose. I don't think there needs to be any more games added or anything like that. I don't think that it should take, I suppose, precedence over the Sheffield Shield. Um, mm. so obviously, the Big Bash is, um, it's great for everyone involved, but I think playing first-class cricket, and giving guys the best opportunity to play well in test cricket. I think that still should be Cricket Australia's um, focus, which I think it is, which is good. So, But, yeah, like I said, the Big Bash has gone from strength to strength in the last couple of years, and it's great fun to be a part of playing in front of big crowds as a domestic cricketer. You know, you don't um, normally get to do that um, if you're not playing international cricket. So, in a way, it gets guys ready to play. It does. Yeah, it gets guys, I suppose, prepares them well to play international cricket because of... You know, you're playing in front of big crowds every week, which is great. So you can't replicate that um, if you're not doing it. So 
And now, now with the big bash, you know, you play the Sheffield Shield in a block of five games in the beginning and of the end of the summer. I mean, I think one positive to that is it matches the way Test Series are played now sort of in blocks together and they block off the format. Do you like the way they do that? Yeah, look, I think you need to be able to get your body ready um, to used to playing week in, week out in Sheffield Shield cricket. Um, that gets you ready to play Test cricket and back-to-back Tests, which is pretty draining on the on your body and it's pretty um it's hard work so i think um yeah having to play you know five shield games in sort of two months it's pretty taxing on the body but it gets you ready for the rigors of international cricket excellent well jackson i think we've come to the end of our time together thank you so much for giving up your time this afternoon Uh, you've got a lot coming up, hopefully Bangladesh, if not um, the Ashes Summer and the Sixers campaign. So, as I said, I will be supporting the Sixers. No I'm a worries, Big Bird no fan. So, um, have a great day and thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries, mate. Thanks very much for that. Well, listeners, that's it for a great week of podcasts. It started with Adam Voges, we had Ben Cutting in the middle, and we've wrapped it up with Jackson Bird. What a great week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Remember to rate and review the show on iTunes. The Have A Go Your Mug promotion is going on. So if you do leave a review somewhere, email me at gmail, ozcricketpod at gmail.com. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another show.